coming up. 2018, the examined year. What happened in the past 12 months that challenged our assumptions and made us think about things in new ways? The year in climate consciousness. People thought climate was all melting ice far away or polar bears. It was a remote problem. It really brought climates into people's lungs and consciousness. The year in demagoguery and propaganda. Life is a struggle. Nature involves a struggle. And the winner has value and the loser has no value. Plus, a philosophical roundtable with our colleague Deborah Satz and our host emeritus, John Perry. We're being upended by technologies that are restructuring the nature of work and leading to much more churn. If we took the Constitution seriously, then the need for less human labor would be a good thing. Join us as we shed philosophical light on ideas and events of the past 12 months. It's the examined year, 2018. Coming up on Philosophy Talk. Welcome to Philosophy Talk, the program that questions everything. Except your intelligence. I'm Ken Taylor. And I'm Josh Landy. We're here at the studios of KALW San Francisco. Continuing conversations that begin at Philosopher's Corner on the Stanford campus, where I teach philosophy and Josh directs the Philosophy and Literature Initiative. Today, it's a special edition of Philosophy Talk, the examined year 2018. It's a look back at the philosophical significance of events and ideas that have shaped the last 12 months. Because, Josh, the unexamined year is not worth reviewing. Indeed, and what better way to do that than by getting the whole band together? So later in the show, we'll have a philosophical roundtable with our colleague Deborah Satz and our host emeritus, John Perry. We'll also be joined by other special guests to think about the year in demagoguery and propaganda and the year in climate consciousness. Yeah, 2018 was a year of extreme and troubling weather events like orange snow in Eastern Europe and frozen rain in Florida. Uh, there were also the record-breaking wildfires, earthquakes and hurricanes. Climate scientists sounded the alarm, but those in denial simply turned the other way. In just a bit, we'll talk to Greg Dalton. He's the founder and host of the Climate One podcast. But first, we sent our roving philosophical reporter, Holly J. McDeed, to walk us through the major weather and climate moments of 2018. She files this report. A new report by the UN carries a stark warning. The world has little more than a decade to reduce the amount of carbon dioxide released into the atmosphere, or it may be too late. Crop production will decline, food and waterborne illness will spread, it will be hard to breathe, and more of us will die. Mr. President, have you read the climate report yet? I've seen it, uh, I've read some of it, and it's fine. What they're calling here Furnace Friday could become the hottest July day in British history. I think it's great. I like it. I love it. <laughs> the warmer, the better. A bit hot. Might be too hot. <laughs> In recent days, temperatures at the North Pole have surged above freezing. Scientists suggest warming temperatures are eroding the polar vortex. Pakistan has declared a state of emergency in the midst of a crushing heat wave that has already killed 800 people. Now an earthquake has triggered a tsunami which has struck a coastal city in Indonesia. It's now a mass grave. Tonight, Santa Ana winds back with a vengeance giving the Woolsey fire more strength, spreading flames across Southern California. They didn't give no evacuation notices or nothing. They just stopped me and wouldn't let me go in. This is my baby, this is my wife. I should have been laying on there with them. But you can't fight nature. I mean, this is too powerful. These are still raging. You could not have done anything. If we don't take action, 
the collapse of our civilizations and the extinction of much of the natural world is on the horizon. I don't want to give trillions and trillions of dollars. I don't want to lose millions and millions of jobs. I don't want to be put at a disadvantage. And will it change back? Probably, that's what I think. And we begin with the campfire in Butte County, which is now the most destructive wildfire in state history. We're not gonna catch on fire, okay? We're gonna stay away from it. And we'll be just fine, okay? We're doing all right. Well, a UN meeting on climate change is underway in the heart of Poland's coal mining region. You have ignored us in the past and you will ignore us again. Protesters here at the UN Climate Summit interrupted a Trump administration event promoting coal and other fossil fuels. Under President Trump's leadership, the United States is experiencing economic growth at a record level while leading the world in reducing emissions. Every single step forward is a big achievement. The deal sets out rules to implement and finance the 2015 Paris Climate Agreement, which aims to limit global temperature increases to below 2 degrees Celsius. It is so decided. For Philosophy Talk, I'm Holly J. McDeed. Thanks, Holly. I think. I'm Ken Taylor, here with my Stanford colleague Josh Landy, and we're taking a philosophical look at the last 12 months. It's the examined year, 2018. We're joined now by Greg Dalton. He's the founder and host of Climate One, a radio show and podcast about building a sustainable economy and stabilizing the Earth's climate. Welcome to Philosophy Talk, Greg. It's great to be here. So uh, this is we're doing uh, the year in climate consciousness in 2018. And uh, give me uh, your assessment. Was this a momentous year in the development of climate consciousness or just another also ran year or what? what? What kind of year was it? It was a big year. I think the big story of 18 was the wildfires in California and the American West that really broke through into certainly the urban consciousness of many people. Wildfires have thought about as you know faraway places that don't affect urban people, but there are 6 million people who are deeply affected for nearly two weeks uh, by Beijing level of air pollution coming from wildfires and, and paradise around there. I think that broke through to uh, consciousness that climate can affect me in this you know, liberal bubble of the Bay Area where people thought climate was all you know, ice, uh, melting ice far away or polar bears. It was a remote problem. It really brought climate into, into urban California and into people's lungs and consciousness. I mean, that makes sense in California. But what about the, uh, the hurricanes? I mean, this year we had Hurricane Florence in the Carolinas, which, I mean, couldn't we argue that that too had an impact on the way people were thinking about things? It certainly did. You know, the, and the... the those huge hurricanes are coming again and again with greater frequency right. and intensity. intensity. It used to be like one every 10, 20 years, and now they're like, you know, it's it's Harvey, Irma, Maria, Florence, bam, bam, bam. And so do you mm -hmm. think that Americans have gotten to the point where, you know, there was a point when, like, think uh, back to World War II. Uh, Americans had their head in the sand. They thought, oh, Hitler can maraud over Europe. We, it doesn't matter. It was out there somewhere, but it wasn't really about us. Have Americans gotten to the point where they think climate change is real? It's about us. It will impact what we do. We have to face it. We have, we have to make plans and changes. Have we gotten to that point yet? Well, I think the thing with uh, you know totalitarian leader overseas or anywhere, um, there's a villain with a face with an intent to inflict harm. Right. 
And in climate change, we're all complicit. So there is no, you know, if North Korea was responsible for climate change, we'd be mobilizing and attacking it, right? If there was a, a dictator who was behind climate change, we'd be mobilizing. But we're all complicit, and there's no villain with an intent to inflict harm. There's no enemy face. And so I think that we're all conflicted. Donald Trump doesn't want to believe it, and a lot of Berkeley liberals also don't want I mean, to believe I, it. I take your point. I take your point that we're all complicit. But I mean, consider the fact that uh, oil companies knew about the danger of climate change as early as the 80s, as far as I understand, and contrived to keep people, I mean, systematically, deliberately contrived to spread disinformation to keep people in the dark about it. I mean, maybe those, don't, those corporations don't have faces, but aren't they identifiable enemies in this, in this battle? There are, and the, and the oil companies have certainly, ExxonMobil and others have certainly uh, confused, deliberated the public. They took the playbook from the tobacco companies, create doubt, doubt is our product, buy time to continue profits. There are bad actors in this for sure, and they've constrained our choice and delayed solutions. Um, but I just think there's another layer of this where you know it's hard to say, people look at climate and say, yeah, it's real, it's happening. What can I do? I bought a Prius. I recycle. What can an individual do? Right. So right. and Bill McKibben says what an individual can do is act less like an individual to collect, to work, to join with others. That's right. what individuals can do is not act as individuals because virtuous, voluntary constraint on buying a smaller car, eating less meat is important and insufficient. It's mm -hmm. necessary and insufficient. It will not get us there. Virtue and voluntarism will not get us where we need to get. Right, right because it's a, it's a drop in the bucket, right? You, 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 mm -hmm. you start recycling a little bit more. You don't use straws, but you compare the damage done by that to the damage done by a so, major corporation. Right. Well, those corporations, remember, there's, you know, it's easy to blame corporations. I interview lots of people on the Climate One podcast who all say someone else should do something. China should do this. Republicans should do right, that. Exactly. Republicans, you know, the uh, oil companies should do that. Auto companies are always pointing the finger at someone else. Look inward. What yeah. am I doing? And that's where, you know, we have some responsibility, but we don't have the choices or the full power as individuals. That's why the, through democracy. Collective and, and that's why it's the year in climate consciousness. Consciousness is spread out all, all among all human beings. Some mm -hmm. of it is collective consciousness. Some of it is political consciousness. That's why I want to ask, where is our worldwide consciousness and the various pockets of local consciousness? Where are they? Think about the voters. I, I, I mean, it's important. The corporate entities play a role. There's no doubt about that. You can't let them off the hook. But we, by our collective action, play uh, a role. We, by our uninformed, unreflective decision-making, we, by our, 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 our information-seeking behavior, we, by our willingness to allow people to manipulate us and demagogues, and, right? I mean, we play a role, too. But younger people increasingly are seeing, you know, they're behind, you know, uh, Alexandra Ocasio-Cortez and some mm -hmm. of the people, this Green New Deal. There's a lot of young push there that they're looking at a lifetime of a changed climate. I didn't really become conscious about the changed climate till I was in my 40s. People who are in their teens, younger, they're saying, we're looking at a hot and wobbly world. We want action now. So I think they're pushing from below elected leaders and even companies. So uh, let me ask you a more philosophical 
thing here because I'm I, I really am puzzled about what shapes collective consciousness, mm-hmm. right, and how yes. it moves to like okay, we are going to do this. How do we get to the point where we're all all in and we stop thinking about how can I get the upside and push the downside off to the next generation or this country or how do, how do we get to that point? I ask myself that too. I often ask myself, when will getting on an airplane be the moral equivalent of clubbing a baby seal? <laughs> yeah. We don't do that. No yeah. good, right, like no one I know would say, like, I want to go club a baby seal, <laughs> yeah, yeah, right? Yeah. So when would getting on an airplane, which is one of the most harmful you know, mm. climate actions an individual can take, be socially or morally unacceptable? I'm not willing to be that first person. Right, because... I, I've heard of people who will take trains and do not get on airplanes. You can think about the economic impact of that. Think after 9-11 when people weren't flying and the economy was How do I get to my conference in Europe if I don't get on an airplane? So what would it take you to get to that point where, say, I'm not going to go to that conference in Europe. I'm not going to go see my in-laws in Hong Kong. Sorry, I love you. I can't get on a plane and come see you. What will get us there? I don't know. A Gandhi king-like leader? But but what you're saying is is what's needed is a cultural (laughs) shift. I mean, you think about smoking. God knows how much how much percentage of the population used to smoke, yeah. and it used to be considered not only acceptable but cool, but cool, yeah. And now we've managed that little by little, drop by drop, we've managed to turn this from something cool to something uncool. Uh, it's oh, you, that person over over there out, you know, on the street, yeah. Yeah. they're they're addicted. It's too yeah. bad for them. Yeah. Uh, I hope I don't get addicted. So maybe that's what you know, we need. A, I mean, maybe it's already happening. You talk about Alexandria uh, Ocasio Cortez and her Green New Deal. Maybe that's what we need, and maybe that's what's happening. This sense among the young generation, maybe percolating up to older generations, that it's just not cool. Yeah, it's not but, cool to desecrate the environment. But the it's not thing cool is, to create a world in which massive. But the are but happening. the thing is, it's not cost free, right? We have to make some hard decisions. Right. So we can't pretend that there aren't hard decisions. So if we were all became Buddhist quickly and let go of our material attachments, we wouldn't consume as much, and we probably would be happier, as you've done shows <laughs> on happiness yeah, and connectedness right. and resilience. Right. But the world economy would collapse and contributions to public radio and other uh, academic <laughs> institutions. Wait, we wouldn't have a show? Yeah, right, yeah. <laughs> so we're all bound in this in a way that's really, really intricate. And yeah, it it's, is. It's hard to see a way out of it in time, right. or we start to just kind of shrug and we get used to wearing masks during smoky days and and we get used to rising seas and we get used to all these things that are here now. But that's how, I mean, because we're talking costly stuff, I just don't know what kind of systems we have in place, what kind of political system, what kind of cultural system, what kind of ideologies we have in place to say, we're going to make these hard decisions in a democratic way that respects all stakeholders. I just, I, well, just, I hope we get to that hard 20. We've got to get through that easy 80 first, right. and that's electric cars. Yep. I have a teenager who doesn't like to drive in a gasoline car. She likes to go in our electric car because electric is cool and it's cleaner, and that's yeah. a generational changing in, in the United States and, and elsewhere. So there are strong cultural forces who are we're getting it. It's just not enough fast enough. Well, on that note, except for the not enough fast enough, <laughs> you've been, we've been uplifted. So, Greg, I want to thank you so much for joining us. It's been a fascinating conversation. Thank you both. Want to hear more? You can find the complete episode on iTunes Music. Thank you for listening. Thank you for thinking. And thank you for supporting Philosophy Talk.